an exciting time around here. Um, and uh, by exciting, I guess I mean, have you ever been in a situation where you have absolutely no idea what to do, and so you just kind of fake it until you make it? Anybody ever been in a situation, a few of you have been in a situation like that? Welcome to my three years at New Beginnings Church. <laughs> and if there's ever a time that I feel like I'm faking it till I make it, it's actually in the very present moment. Um, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 26. Uh, today is our first Sunday in Lent. Now, I know. For some of you that you're familiar with the language of Lent and Ash Wednesday because of our more liturgical brothers and sisters, those from maybe the Episcopal, Episcopalian tradition or from the Roman Catholic tradition or even like from the United Methodist tradition who's a little bit more high church than us but still Protestant. You may be wondering, what in the world is Lent and what does an evangelical a uh, Protestant church like the Nazarenes, what are we doing with purple everywhere and dust on our foreheads? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, the church here is a, is, a, is a circle, all right? And when does the church, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm curious to know if you have any response for me, but the people that answer can't have gone to seminary, okay? So, uh, Justin, you're out. Uh, uh, the Payne family by osmosis, you're out, okay? Uh, Jenny, out, all right? Jaren, or Jaren, <laughs> Stuart, you're, you're way out. Oh. <laughs> uh. Don't call me Phil, and I won't call you Jaron, okay? I'm so, so sorry. Uh, I've been called Phil before. It's not fun. It's not fun. All right, that's uh, Stuart's dad. No, boy. When, this is the question I wanted to ask. I'm so sorry. Uh, when does the church year begin? The church year begins not January 1st. When does it begin? Uh, not quite Christmas. It begins in Advent. It be You've been to seminary, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, Advent. Advent begins the church year, and Advent, we'll start Advent right here. It's usually the last Sunday in November. Not always. It just kind of depends. It's the first four, it's the first four Sundays, however far that is away from Christmas. It typically lands on the last Sunday in November. And so uh, you start Advent, it's four weeks until Christmas, and then Epiphany. After Epiphany, I'll explain these, Lent. After Lent, Easter. Easter into common season until you get back to the last Sunday of November and you start all over again. Advent into Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, Pentecost, common season, and you just do it over and over again. Cyclical time, that's the church's time. It's different than our time, which is linear time, which we have completed the year 2018. And what do we say? It, it sounds like it's starting to be like this every year. We say 2018 was the worst year on record. All right. Oh, no more 2018. We never have to go back. It's new beginnings. All right. 2019, gone. Well, in, no, in December, guess what we'll say? 2019 was the worst year ever. Um, 2020, we're, we're on. Well, the, the church is always going back, always circling back. Because there's certain themes in each one of these seasons. That's okay, uh, seminarians. This is where I need you, all right? 
What's the theological theme? If there was one theological theme for Advent, what would you say it is? Expectation. That's right. Hope and expectation. Advent of the coming Lord. In Christmas, the theological theme is Emmanuel. He is with us. He is here. In Epiphany, the theological theme is growth in the Messiah. He is the Lord, Jesus. In Lent, that's a, this is a long answer to get to a simple introduction, but in Lent, uh, the theological uh, theme that we're focusing on is one of readying our heart by being honest. It's by taking a self-examination, preparing our hearts for the in-breaking reign of God to be celebrated in Easter with the resurrection. Now, as good evangelical Protestants, we, we know two church holidays and maybe a third. We definitely know Christmas, right? Oh, yeah, baby, we celebrate Christmas. And we know Easter. And some of our brothers and sisters know Pentecost. But I feel, and we don't hold to it super tight at New Beginnings Church, just loose enough but I think it's good for us to always remember these themes, always. And so today marks the first day in Lent in which we're taking a self-examination. And so this morning I want to talk to you specifically about preparation. I want to talk to you about the ways in which we prepare to receive the inbreaking Spirit of God. How well do you feel prepared? Starting today and the next five weeks that follows, this gives us a chance to prepare our heart for the Easter celebration. So today I want us to begin in Deuteronomy chapter 26. It would be good to know before I read that the book of Deuteronomy is Moses' address. Does anybody know what he's addressing? It's Moses' address to the Israelites about what? They're getting ready to enter into the promised land that will come at the very end of this book. Okay? They're getting ready. The Israelites are God's chosen people who have been in wilderness for 40 years, rescued from Egypt. Right In Egypt, the Israelites were, what were they in Egypt? They weren't free. They were, okay, they were enslaved in Egypt, and God freed them miraculously. Right, This is the book of Exodus. God miraculously frees the Israelites. They follow Moses. They're in the wilderness for how many years? How many days is Lent? Does anybody know? Forty. Okay, there's, okay just hold on to that. There's, there's a connection here, all right? Um, and so the Israelites are in the wilderness for 40 years, and what has God promised them? God has promised them an inheritance, and God has promised them a name. What else has God promised them? Somebody said it. Deb, you said it. Land. God promised them land. Right now, they're nomadic. They're in the middle of the wilderness. They're feeling like they're stuck there. The book of Deuteronomy comes months. Maria, I'm talking months before they enter the promised land. For 39 years, they have held onto the promise that God would save them. And now in the book of Deuteronomy, this is Moses' address months before they enter in to the promised land. And this is an address of preparation. He's telling them to get ready. And here, this is what is so interesting. 
The word about preparation in this passage is one about worship and rehearsal. I want you to listen to it as I read it. This is Moses preparing the people. This is how you will live in the promised land. So I want you to rehearse. I want you to begin to practice the way you will live as promised people in a promised land. Deuteronomy 26. Would you stand for the reading of the word? When you enter the land, the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession, and you have conquered it and settled there. Put some of the first produce from each crop you harvest into a basket and bring it to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. Go to the priest in charge at that time and say to him, With this gift I acknowledge to the Lord your God that I have entered the land he swore to our ancestors he would give us. The priest will then take the basket from your hand and set it before the altar of the Lord your God. You must then say in the presence of the Lord your God, My ancestor Jacob was a wandering Armenian who went to live as a foreigner in Egypt. His family arrived few in number, but in Egypt they became a large and mighty nation. When the Egyptians oppressed and humiliated us by making us their slaves, we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. He heard our cries and saw our hardship, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and a powerful arm with overwhelming terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land flowing with milk and honey. And now, O Lord, I have brought you the first portion of the harvest you have given me from the ground. Here's the instructions. Place the produce before the Lord your God and bow to the ground and worship before him. Afterward, you may go and celebrate because of all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Remember to include the Levites and the foreigners living among you in the celebration. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated indeed. Well, when I was growing up in Princeton, Indiana, if you were at the funeral yesterday, for some reason, I am mentioning my hometown now twice in a row, but Princeton. Indiana. Uh, I was uh, eight years old um, then as well, and I'm outside, and if you know anything about Indiana, we're basketball fanatics, all right? We just love basketball, and I'm outside shooting hoops, all right? Uh, And uh, apparently not shooting hoops real well because a little old lady walking on the sidewalk in 1988 or whenever it was, she walking, (laughs) she comes walking by, she looks at me, and I'm with all my heart, you know, up there chucking, yeah, you know, when you're short and you're shooting on 10-foot goal and you shoot from the hips and it like messes your whole form up for the rest of your life, this is what, this, <laughs> yeah, this is what's happening. It's happening in the 80s in Indiana, so guess what I'm wearing? Real short Larry Bird shorts, I'm sure, man. I'm sure I got the high tops on and the real low-cut shorts and uh, I'm out there chucking the ball up against the clanking it off everything. The lady walks by and she says, Son, 
I don't know why she had a deep voice, but I guess I'm remembering that she had a deep voice. Son, don't you forget, practice makes perfect. I guess that's how bad I was, because I guess I needed a lot of practice. Um, this is Moses' instructions to the Israelites. Practice until you are formed. Recall in this passage, just they have not reached the promised land. The promised land does not come until several chapters later. They are outside the promised land. They're weeks away from the promised land. Moses' instructions from the Lord is, tell the people you are to do this when you enter. So essentially what Moses is telling the Israelites is that they are to rehearse. They're to rehearse a different story. They're to rehearse that different story until it becomes, what's the word I'm looking for? Habitual. (laughs) Until it becomes a habit in which they embody a new narrative. A narrative not of a slave God, but a narrative of a free God. So all of Deuteronomy is the address from Moses to Israel in the last year of their journey through the wilderness. The place of promise, we read about it in, in, in chapter 1, verse 8. If you have your Bibles, I'm sorry, I don't have, the, I don't have slides this morning. I, I ran out of time this week, so I, I don't have slides. But if you really like slides, uh, presentation slides, you may have this copy. It has all the things I would have put on, uh, on the uh, slide. So seriously, afterwards, if you're like, man, I need all those references or I need those points, I'd be more than happy to make copies and, and, and to give you this. Um, but for now, you're going to have to try to go old school with me. So I do got some things. If you want to write some notes down, I do got some points. That they won't be on the, the TV, but... Uh, I'd be happy to give you my notes afterwards. But in chapter 1, verse 8, where do we hear about this promise? See, I've placed the land before you, the Lord says Moses. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. The promise that you've been holding on to, it is before you. So Moses is leading the Israelites through wilderness into this promise. But what has to happen in order for them to get to this promise? They have to remember two things about deliverance, where God has delivered them out of and where God is delivering them into. These are the things that Moses is to remind the Israelites and the Israelites are to rehearse. This new story that they're walking into, this new land, is filled with two things what they've been delivered out from, and what they're being delivered into. And I wonder, because I think those are pertinent questions. I think those are pertinent questions for our community right now, for us, for you, for me. I'm wondering if we could just quiet ourselves for a second. And let me just ask you as you kind of think, have you thought recently from what is God delivering you? If you need to close your eyes and meditate, that's, that's fine. What, from, from what is God delivering you? But add to that question, where is the Spirit leading you into? So 
So God has delivered you from something. Each one of us, even if we're not all the way there, each one of us have something in which we've been delivered from. What's the new space that opens up? What's the freedom in which God now is delivering you in to? The former, the one back here, the the one that you've been delivered out of. It's a closed chapter. It's part of our past. It's, it's, it's done. But what happens is when we reflect back, when we look back on the thing that's closed, there's nothing we can do about the past. But when we look back and we reflect on what we've been delivered from, what we notice is God's faithfulness. Tell your story without mentioning that God's faithful. Many of you cannot. Some of you can. Many of you cannot. When we look back, even as maybe as messy as the past is, when we look back to the closed thing that's closed off, what we notice is that God has delivered us, that God has been faithful even through the mess. And we're still here. Now, what happens is when you look forward to what God is delivering us to, it's both and, right? He's delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, but to what? What is he delivering them to? His promise, and it's wide open. Lands and lands and lands of optimism, right? An endless amount of possibility. See, what's over here is closed. Don't dwell on it. It serves one purpose. You're to remember one thing from back here. Don't dwell on it. It's just one thing you are to remember, and that is God is faithful. Now turn yourself. <laughs> I'm going to talk about this word in, in a minute, but it's a, it's, it's a word that's highlighted all through the season of Lent, and it's repentance. I want you to look back here. I want you to notice one thing, that God is faithful. Now turn, repent. <laughs> turn around. Now look ahead. In God's great mercy. In God's great promise and abundance, what's before us is lands upon lands upon lands of endless future and possibility. What is open in the death and resurrection of Christ. Last weekend, I was led to remember um, my life pre-Jesus and post-Jesus. I want us to think about that. Remember that, Rex? Rex was with me, and we learned about this together. I think the way, Rex, that they taught us in this weekend was pre-cross and post-cross. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Our sanctuary is so small, we just, we notice everything, don't we? Don't we? Can I just say a prayer real quick? That was another friend. She came from across the apartments. She's here for a reason. I know it's, it's weird for me, me to do that, but we're just small enough that every guest matters, y'all. Every guest matters, and she's a beautiful life. Uh, did you catch her name, Terry? Dawn. Can we just pause real quick? Um, because that happened publicly, so let me just address it publicly, and then we're going to move on, and uh, I, I promise you, we're going to get to helping you out, sister, okay? <laughs> Which means I'll stop talking at some point, okay? Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for Dawn. We thank you for the houses and the apartments that are so close. Lord, for whatever reason this morning, you've given us a gr great trust. You've led your children here with all sorts of needs. God, it throws us off a little bit because we're used to seeing familiar faces. But every now and then, you bless us with a stranger. Lord, may you be with Dawn and lift her up 
and whatever her needs are, and may she not be a stranger anymore. May she know she's welcome here, and may you lead us, Lord, even where our imagination is needing some spiritual help. Lord, I know mine is. God, would you bless that? Would you sanctify that? Would you teach us what you would like us to do and how to do it? And Lord, would you bless us with the resources too? May we not be closed off to what the new thing is you're doing around here. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so I, I was at this last weekend, was invited along with Rex to think about pre-cross and post-cross. To think about what's back there. And think about now what's opened up in here. And they challenged us to think about it in terms of one word or one simple phrase. I'm wondering if you could do that. I won't, I'm not calling on you, but I'm just wondering as you're listening to me, if you could think. How would you describe your life pre-Jesus? And some of you in here might not be able to answer that, and that's okay. You are loved, and I'll, I'll come back around to you in a minute. <laughs> but for some of us, those of us that have claimed Christ and are baptized, what was your life like before? What was your life like before Jesus? What is your life like after Jesus? Now, one word or one simple phrase. For me, it was fighting for belonging. Back here... I was fighting for belonging. And not just one moment, but lots of moments with Jesus has led me into the freedom to realize that I am walking into what I belong to. God has been faithful to give me the peace to know that I don't have to fight for my identity, that I don't have to fight for my worth. And I'm talking about Jake Edwards personally, that I have to fight for my acceptance. He has freed me from trying to prove my worth. <laughs> Man, it is incredibly freeing. I've spent 30 some odd years trying to prove to people that I'm worth your love. That's exhausting. I don't know if anyone else has traveled that journey. I'd imagine many have. It's exhausting. And eventually you get to the end of the road where you don't feel like you're worth loving at all. God has rescued me from that. I don't have to dwell in that anymore. That's my past. Before Christ, I was trying to find my identity. Now in Christ. Ooh, what I have been freed to is to realize that in the sonship of the Lord, man, I am a son. I belong to the inheritance. I'm connected to his freedom. Ooh, I have so much identity now. And I am bathed in God's grace and power and mercy. I don't have to try to prove myself in front of my congregation. I can just be myself in front of the congregation. It's been incredibly freeing. What's back here is proof that God sees you. So if you don't have a post-Jesus moment, bask in our testimony. God saw me when I couldn't see myself. God sees you right now, right where you are. Live into our future of being children of the promise where we can live with abandonment and freedom, not restricted to what we once were, but open to who God is calling us to be. Our passage it constitutes the instructions. So here's a little biblical teaching for you. This passage, chapter 26, 
it makes up the instructions of how the Israelites are to worship. How they are to worship, not as they are, but as they will be. As people of the promise. As people of a blessed promise of God's provision and grace. They are to do two things. Does anybody remember what are the two main things they are to do? This is their worship now. This is how they are to rehearse that they have been delivered from captivity into freedom. How are they to do that? Go, oh, ooh, babe, you got it. Go. The first fruits of their produce. That's one. Yes, first fruits. Good job. Second one is more my summary of what the text says. The Lord says, say this. Anyone want to offer a really simple summary of what they are to say? Yeah, I put it like this. Exactly right, Ben. I put it like this. Their story. They're to, they're, they're to do two things. They are to give it their first fruits, and they are to tell their story. This is how they are to worship. This is how they are to rehearse. And they're to do it every time they gather. I wonder if that ever become redundant for them. I wonder if it ever became hard to find the why in all of that. But this is how they are to remember and to know that they have been delivered from captivity and, fr- and freed to freedom. <laughs> and delivered into freedom. They are to give of their first fruits. And they are to tell their story. Why would they do this? One, as they give of the things that they are tempted to say they own, they have to confess that they are not in control, that they do not have ownership, that everything around them belongs to the Lord, that they are children of promise. They literally have not done anything to earn the grace of the land that they now cultivate and create their economy out of. Everything that they've been given, every paycheck in which they receive, it belongs to the Lord. And so when they give of that, they are worshiping through the release of the temptation to think they own it. Everything belongs to the Lord. So why? Why are they giving back to the Lord? From what? From what has God saved someone that they would be willing to give of their first fruits and their very narrative? So what is God calling them to that makes that all right? The first fruits tell us a story about what God has indeed delivered them from once a land that was not theirs, a land in which they lived in slavery, a land in which they were abused, a land in which they were taken advantage of, in which their memories were suppressed, in which their hopes were crushed. Now they belong to a land with endless freedom and endless possibility. You could call it a land of resurrection. They now live in this land of promise, which anything is possible to them. They are no longer slaves. They now have individual names. They're no longer burdened by things too heavy for them to carry. They now have the possibility to create their own economy. Don't you see what God has done for the Israelites? He's completely saved an entire people group. He has taken people and delivered them from a people who were once crushed, 
burdened by loss. Sound familiar? Deliver them into a people now with abundant freedom. But here's the thing. It's all by his grace. It's all by his grace. Which Israelite stepped forward and told God what they were going to do? God came to Moses and said, you need to tell your people this. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you a land through the promise of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Just as I told them, now I'm telling you. All new beginnings. I'm not even to the preaching part yet, so I need it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks, Roger. I needed it this morning. Oh, this is, uh, my, this is my third sermon I've prepared this week, and it's my favorite one. God's deliverance, it reorients our stories. Right? Now, I'll just hang on there now. If you're one of those pen and paper people, you might want to write that down. God's deliverance reorients our stories. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that Israel was once people that called themselves slaves. Now they call themselves freed. They were once living in futures that were closed off. Now they're living in futures that are open. God's deliverance reorients our stories, and ultimately what that does is it frees us up to be people of generosity. When we're living under suppression, and when we're living under stress and anxiety and false stories, just stories that are not true about ourselves, when we're living under these enslaved stories, it's impossible for us to give. Because we're enslaved, something else owns us. Some other false narrative owns us. Does this make sense? But when God delivers us from what, what once was and brings us into a new story. Now, I'm talking now here. Now, I'm talking on the heart level for us. For Israel, it was a very physical deal. But for us, I think it's, it's, it is physical as well. But it's, it's a heart level, man. What God has delivered us from and what God has delivered us to then gives us the immense amount of freedom to not only participate in an open future, to not live in an open future, to not only live in an open future, but to also participate, to rehearse the fulfillment of God's promise by giving all that we are, by giving all of our time, by giving all of our resources, by giving all of our imagination and all of our energy. There's only one thing that will stop us from doing that. That's a heart that's still living back here. God wants us to rehearse the way we're going to live in heaven. This is not just an Old Testament principle for Old Testament people. Church, God wants us to live in the freedom of our generosity. That's not on the burdens of just a select few people. That's all of us. That's every single one of us. We are to give to God what God owns, the first fruits of our time, the first fruits of our emotions and our heart, and the first fruits of our economy. It's not optional. It's either you're being obedient or you're not. And that's a hard word to hear and the word of hope that I have here, right? Because it's not about if you can afford it or not. It's not about, you know, if I can, I, you know, pastor, I tithe as much as I can. 
You don't have to tithe to me anything. You don't owe New Beginnings Church a single dime. You don't owe us anything, nothing at all. Who am I? You don't owe me nothing. I'm just afraid that your heart hasn't been fully released to give unto God what God has claimed. So if you've got something against New Beginnings Church, we should talk about it. I would love to talk to you about it. But tithing 10% is not optional. You should find, if you can't tithe here, that's okay. You don't owe me anything. Give unto God's mission somewhere else. I feel like talking to God, God would lead you to support the local church in which you belong to. I believe that would happen. But I'm not up here asking for more money out of you. I'm asking you in the season of Lent to survey. What has God delivered you from? And how are you rehearsing that story today and how you spend your money? Are you rehearsing the fact that you're free? That you're free. That you're not bound. You're not owned. Or are you? Or are you bound to something? Are you owned by something? It's okay. I am too. I'm a man of holiness that's on the journey of holiness. Right? I'm also bound. Who gets my first fruits when it gets past 8 p.m.? You want to know? I'll tell you. Ticket to ride. Ticket to ride gets my first fruits of my time. I've been trying to read Psalms in the morning and Psalms in the evening. I haven't yet made it to Psalms in the I can't believe I'm confessing this to you, but this is a seasonal Lent. Here it is. I haven't made it to Psalms in the evening. You know why? Because Ticket to Ride has gotten my first fruits of my time. Because I always start off like this. Oh, I'm winding down. It's 8 o'clock. I go to bed early. I know this. It's 8 o'clock. I'm winding down. Uh... I'm going to read the Psalms. It's going to be great. Uh, the kids are in bed. I'm going to sit in my new little chair that I reupholstered. And uh, I've never made it to that chair in the evening, have I, babe? I usually on the couch because Ticket to Ride gets my time. And when I'm done with Ticket to Ride, guess what? My attention is done too. This sermon ain't just for you. This sermon is for me too. I know I've got work to do. How do I get over that? I'm not even going to get to my whole sermon. Daggummit, it was a good one. But I think it's okay. I think it's okay just to pause here because I feel like we're connected, okay? I love you very much. Love you. You've done nothing wrong. God is calling us to more. To more of what? To more freedom. To more freedom. Church, I've thought about it for the first time this week, this way. It feels like for 27 years we've been preparing to launch new beginnings. If you ever start a church, some of you helped start this one. They do these things called pre-launch Sundays in which you prepare and you get all of your stuff ready, right? You get everything ready and then you advertise your launch Sunday and then you go. And for, I believe that what God is about to do in new beginnings will blow all of our minds and totally rearrange everything we ever thought this place was to be. God is reclaiming us and renaming us, it, not, not, not literally, but in his mind, reclaiming us, renaming us, giving us a new purpose and new mission and new life. We are literally living into our name 
in this season. We are becoming a new beginnings. But it's been 27 years of getting ready. Because I think what God wants to do is not back here. That is done. What God wants to do is out here, and it's open, and it's endless, and it's unbelievable, and it's not just contained to the Nazarene church. It will honor the Nazarene church, but what God wants to do is so much greater than just one denomination. What God wants to do through us. Oh, man, I wish you could live in my head. You would both have a panic attack and excitement at the same time. (laughs) Guys, I'm scared to death of what we just went through. Yes, I'm scared that you should have heard the conversation Jenny and I had last night. I'm scared to death of what we just went through. But God keeps reminding me to trust him and not dwell. How has God been faithful to us in 27 years? Do we even have time to tell the testimony? We don't. Man, Caleb, for 27 years... There have been opportunity after opportunity after opportunity for us to close our doors and head out, right? How many times have you thought about leaving this congregation in 27 years? How many times have you thought about leaving this congregation in the last month? But for some reason, God keeps us alive and moving. How wonderful what God has delivered us. We are no longer enchained to anything that we could have been enchained to in the past. God has freed us. It is done. That story is over. What is ahead of us? I know what's ahead of us. Abundance and promise and mercy and grace and new life and conversions and baptisms and new churches. Can you, do you see what's ahead of us? All the glory of Christ and all the glory of God and his character and divinity. It's all ahead of us and it's for us. Why? Because God has kept us alive so we can walk into the promise. Okay, this is what I'm afraid of. And I'm going to do something weird today. We're kind of out of time, but I'm going to do it anyways. I want to I call us to the altar. <laughs> I wonder if Ben, I'm going to throw a curveball. Ben, ben, I wonder if you just play piano music for us. I want to tell you what I'm afraid of. And would you go to coffee with, with me this week? I want to share. Someone, someone go to coffee, me, coffee with me this week. I want to share the rest of this sermon. It's good. But i just put it up. because I Okay. I want to, I want to share with you what I'm, kinda, you know, what I'm afraid of. And then I want to call us to repent of the things that have gotten our first fruits that shouldn't have. I'll be the first one there because I've confessed. And so now I can't, I'd be lying if I just sat down and act like that wasn't a true story. Confessed. I'll be the first one there. If I'm alone, that's okay. I'm the leader. I'll start. Here's what I'm afraid of. What I'm afraid of is is God has this whole new (laughs) 27 years of God. Are you kidding me? He's laughing at the fact I even mentioned that. He's got so many years ahead of us. Our minds would blow apart if we knew how far ahead of us God is. 
the only thing that would keep us are hearts not open to the new thing God is wanting to do. A heart closed is a heart that refuses to give God the first fruits of anything. That's a heart of Cain. So if your money belongs somewhere else, friend, I'm praying for you that God would lead you into repentance. Not because you're an awful, shameful, bad person, but because God wants all of you, all of you. Money is very tight in the Edwards home too. Very tight. Very, very tight. I understand I understand. God wants all of our time. And the last thing I need to say here is that God wants our relationships with one another. The only thing that's going to stop us from walking into that promised land, walking into the new future, is going to be hearts that are still caught up in stuff that needs to be forgiven and given to Jesus. We are too small for us to be holding things against one another. And I would not be mentioning that if as a pastor I didn't feel like it needed to be mentioned. We're not going to stay on it. Friends, I'm ready to walk into the new day. This is what's going to hold us back if something else is getting our first fruits. The end of this passage says that they celebrated with joy. They celebrated with joy. Who celebrated with joy? Those that gave of their first fruits. If you want to know what's holding us back from being people of joy, it might be because our first fruits are tied up elsewhere. Go where your fruits are, that's where your joy is. So come with me tonight at 8 o'clock and I can show you how much fun I have playing Ticket to Ride. I have a lot of fun. I like it. (laughs) Big deal, guys. God wants that time. God wants it. What I have found as I began to give my early mornings to God, I have so much joy in my day in an hour. I'll tell you the hour, and you're going to be like my wife, and you're going to say that's gross. That'll be the first word. I love getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning. That's the I have found great joy. I have found so much joy. Now, if you think I'm happy at 8 o'clock playing Ticket to Ride, you ought to see me at 4 a.m. That's why I get up that early so no one else sees me. That's what God wants for us. So, friends, um, thanks for your patience. This is an important season for us, and I think it's important for us to linger a little bit longer than than we would usually. Let me pray for us. If you would like to join me, There's no judgment here. Just, come on, what do you got to lose? Give God everything. Give God everything and just see what he does with your time, with your relationships, with your resources. Oh, man, just 
give it all to the Lord. Every square inch, Father, we call upon your name and invite you into this place, Spirit, to be comforting and loving and to build people up and to encourage them, Father. May they leave this room knowing that they are loved and that you're calling them into promise and into future. Lord, will they know that they belong to you? Jesus, would you clothe yourself all over this sanctuary, Lord? This is not about shame that's been undone in you. Father, would you show us what we need to repent from? Where do we need to turn? Who needs our time, Lord? And who needs our resources? And Father, how might I give of myself in relationship? Lord, you may have every minute of my day, you may have all of my heart and every square inch of this facility. God, you may have every individual in this room and that belongs to the membership of New Beginnings. Lord, it's all yours. Every bit of it. Chipman Commons belongs to you. It's always been with you. My family, you may have Hadley and you may have Ben and you may have my wife and please take my dog. You may have him too. God, you can have it all. Every bit of it. Jesus, we invite you here to have a conversation with us in love and in grace. It's your name we pray. Amen.